0: Well, if I said I wasn't surprised by some of what I'm seeing on the bracket today, J.B., I would be lying. Uh, we're going to have an interview coming up here, and uh, we're going to be definitely asking some questions. Uh, some of the questions you uh, out there have asked us to ask, but uh, others, too, that you might not have known to ask at the time that bracket he's holding up uh, You know, wasn't out yet. Um, how are you feeling over there?
1: Well, um, sometimes it, it's it's okay to be proven wrong. Cause uh, as we talked about on our Twitter space Saturday night and kind of leading up to it, there were a couple of potential selections where I thought I knew what the committee was gonna do just based on historic precedents and maybe bias towards certain programs, but they did not do that. And so on one hand I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is something different and unexpected. But then a couple of the choices I was like, whoa, really? Well, kind of one of them, I guess was really a surprise. I don't know where that came from. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Matt and seeing kind of where the committee came up with this. Uh, Cause you know, hey, we were mostly right, but not entirely and that's okay. But definitely have some questions here. Got some splaining to do.
0: No, just kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get this off the ground and running here. This is season 16 of In The Huddle, our selection Sunday special. For the 16th straight season, 15 years of it, we are going to have the Selection Committee Chairman join us, Matt Moore, from Northwestern of Minnesota. Uh, And uh, like we said, we'll have some pretty sharp questions for him, uh, because you've been asking some really good questions in uh, the Twitter sphere or the X-Sphere at this point and so uh, that will be coming up in this show. One thing I'll tell you is that we're basically going live to tape uh, the way we're trying to do certain pieces of the show, because we do not have much editing time the way that Selection Sunday falls. So any errors you see, we're pretty much leaving in unless they're uh, glaring and we have the time to uh, take them out. So we apologize in advance for anything that might be flubbed up a little bit with production here, but we're trying. Uh, So um, JB, First things first, I'm going to give you the 30,000 foot view, not of week 11. We'll talk about that at another point in time, but of this bracket setup right now. We'll show the whole thing, obviously, which you're not going to be able to read, folks, but there it is, uh, what we received from the NCAA. And uh, just for those wondering if uh, it gets to, yeah, uh, JB just got his glasses out. If it gets to the, uh, you know, look of the uh, WestCon record, we uh, did inform them, uh, the one we have is wrong. It, they are 7-2. and two. It didn't make a difference in where they got seated around and all that stuff. So uh, it was an uh, unintentional error on the NCAA's part, uh, and we don't have the ability to edit it really in this. So now your 30,000-foot view of the brackets
1: generally. Um, you know, I think it's uh – at, you know, at the end of the day, this is kind of a thankless job. It's really hard to do to put 32 teams and figure out with all the cost constraints and the you don't want to spend too much money on the flights and the, this and that and the other thing. Um, there was some interesting um, placement. Uh, you know, one of the things that sort of jumps out to me right off the top, it looks like uh, La Crosse, Wartburg, Mount Union, and Johns Hopkins are the ones. And it also looks like to me that North Central, the defending national champs, more on that in a bit and um, Whitewater, Susquehanna, and Randolph-Macon are your twos. So I like the fact that Region 2 and Hopkins got a one. I think that was deserved. Um, it's, it's, it's been a while, <laughs> you know. And so um, that's a very interesting you know, bracket down there in the lower right. The, the upper right, interesting to see some of these um, you know, teams having to go on the road. But, you know, Cortland going to Endicott, hey, well, they did you know, beat Harden Simmons, so um, they, they probably deserved a host based on that. Uh, you know, the Wartburg placement as a one we kind of saw coming based on the way the regional rankings were had laid out. Uh, but seeing North Central as a number two is a little bit of a surprise. And, and honestly, in a way, I've kind of been coming around to the idea that lacrosse is a one is a bit of a question mark too, because they did have that head-to-head loss to Hardin-Simmons, who also happened to lose to Endicott, a region one team, which historically has always been viewed as sort of the, you know, the redheaded, you know what of, um, of D3 football. So it does say a lot of, there's still a little bit of intrinsic bias that um, lacrosse gets the one and, you know, more power to them. Um, certainly winning the YAC is not an easy thing to accomplish. And so, in that respect, maybe that's how they deserve that. But, um, you know, hey, we'll have to see how it shakes out. The biggest question mark I think we're going to have here, Frank, is the is Co getting in, likely as the last team off the board. Um, where did that come from? Because <laughs> we did not talk about them really at all. Um, and, you know, St. John's is missing. Okay, go for it. Nope.
0: I, I'm going to call timeout because actually, uh, because uh, I see him in our uh, screen, we're about a half hour early on this, and he looks like he's ready to go already. And so instead of talking through the bracket ourselves, why don't we go to the guy that helped make these brackets happen in the first place so he can get his day moving as well. Let's so go. like I said, we're live to tape for a reason here, folks, and uh, the way we'll work it. <laughs> but uh, for the 15th straight year, 16th straight season, we are uh, really, really honored to have as a guest the Selection Committee Chairman. Matt Moore of Northwestern Minnesota uh, joins us here. And Matt, uh, I'm, I'm guessing it was a long uh, 24 hours. Maybe you got some sleep, maybe you didn't. I don't know. But uh, thanks for joining us first off. And let us know what your last uh, 24 hours have been like, for that matter. And hold on. We're going to make it's, sure we get uh, you loud pro- and clear. There you go. Go ahead.
2: It's a uh, it's a productive 24 hours, right? But it's a busy 24 hours, too, where... Um, I mean, really, you go right from those final games getting played, waiting for the final games um, to, to wrap up out on the West Coast um, in order to get the score reporting and things like that. And then waiting for all the racks to, to be able to meet and to rank and to get things set up. And then as a national committee, trying to um, go over those rack rankings as, as they're coming in and then um, start to process, you know, some of the at-large uh um, opportunities and things like that all the way to the bracketing so yeah pretty busy you know goes goes late into the night saturday and then starts early on sunday and and kind of click right until we need um, until the ncaa needs needs that bracket from us
0: So, Matt, uh, normally we wouldn't do this, but like I said, we wanted to jump uh, on this to get you uh, freed up for later on. But if you're uh, willing to, we're going to walk through uh, the different quadrants real quick and call out some things that we're seeing as questions as we do it. If you're okay with that, we'll uh, roll with it here a little bit. And uh, first things first, in the upper left hand, we'll just go uh, basically counterclockwise from the upper left. Uh, Wisconsin lacrosse, uh, Minnesota Morris. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of sorry we're talking to you because uh, if we weren't talking to you, it means your team would have gotten in. Uh, close game against Minnesota Morris yesterday, and congratulations to them uh, for getting the pool a bit, obviously. Aurora versus Coe. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to stop yet. Let me, let's go down these because there's going to be a couple questions that emanate from this quadrant. Trinity will be hosting Harden-Simmons. In North Central will be hosting Belhaven. This may be the most controversial quadrant I have ever seen because I know what the reactions are going to be out there from a number of different factions. So let's start from the top. Right. How the hell is on here? Uh, I guess is what a lot of people are going to ask us the question of. <laughs> because they were not on our radar, D3 football's radar, or many people's radars out there in D3 Nation. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think if you look at their body of work and kind of what, what they have for their numbers and what they did, a 9-1 and one team um, who have a loss to uh, a number one ranked team in Wartburg um, and, and what they were able to do with their strength of schedule and some of those things, um, you know, they're, they, they compete and their numbers hold up and, and they end up getting in as an at-large bid.
0: I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take it an extra step and JB I uh, was wondering yep. the same thing so I, I you know I, I 503 and one and one is what we have basically maybe you have different numbers yeah. that you're looking at and there's teams yep. like St John's with the extra loss but two and one I believe or maybe even three and one depending on who the, is in the regional rankings in over 600 uh, strength of schedule Muhlenberg with the 0 and one but the 545 uh, 550 ish I think it was. Uh, in the strength of schedule, but, but you get my point where I'm going with this, that yeah. basically Region 5 has enough ability to rank a third team in certain uh, conferences out there, and Region 2, for instance, doesn't have that ability because of the depth of uh, conference champions of merit that are in there. So it's almost like people are gonna say you lined up or Region 5 lined up their conference in a way that manufactured a regional ranked opponent win for Coe and as a result, despite the mediocre uh, strength of schedule, they get in. What would your reaction be to the folks from St. John's and from let's say Muhlenberg even out there that are gonna say this doesn't smell right or feel right to us?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, my, my number one deal was, you know, we're following the primary criteria, right? We're going to try and follow the primary criteria all the way through. We're going to put our regions aside when it comes down to finding those pool C bids. It's not about our region or somebody's region or anything. We're trying to, to develop the best tournament that we can. And I think the four at-large bids that all got in um, were pretty consistent with what their numbers are and what their um, history was in order to get in. Yeah. The
1: one th- consistent thing that I saw, and and I, I don't know to what extent you can speak to this is a lot of them had nine wins overall, and they also had wins on a, at a, at a regionally ranked level. Um, perhaps that was the, you know, the thing that sort of tipped the scales in, in their favor. I mean, I remember when you spoke with Pat on D3 football.com, you guys, talked about with the NCAA guidance of a win is a win, regardless of whether it's by one point or 50 in certain cases, as we see on some weekends, um, were there certain elements to that where, or was it really just, okay, we're we're following the script and we're just going
2: to try not to deviate from that as much as we can. We we're, certainly were trying to follow the script, right? We're trying to follow again. The goal is always to stay on the criteria because that's the one guidance that we have as we go through. Um, and, uh, and I would say, you know, win-loss percentage is one of those columns. We always say, we, you know, you guys have probably heard the term a million times. We don't count columns, right? One column doesn't have more value than the other, and we don't count who has the most columns or anything, but it's that body of work through all those columns for the primary criteria that that's where we try to have that consistency as the national committee, where when you, when you look at it as a whole, that all four of those teams do kind of have a similar matchup or makeup um, with that, those columns.
0: So, um, uh, let's uh, continue back on uh, this upper left hand, and uh, Trinity Harden-Simmons is something that breeds a lot of questions as well. Trinity is going to be hosting Harden-Simmons. From our numbers, and tell me if we're wrong on this, uh, it was a .007 differential in strength of schedule. Uh, Trinity, uh, they had their win against Barry, uh, who didn't get into the tournament. Harden Simmons had their win against number one in the West, we believe, or in the West. You see how I'm uh, dating myself in Region 6, uh, UW Lacrosse. And a lot of people right. are going to say to you, look, that win versus Lacrosse should probably carry more value than the win versus Barry and should have been enough to push Harden Simmons into a hosting position. What would your reaction be to that for folks? Because again, they, maybe it relies on some level of subjectivity, but maybe not because lacrosse was a one at least that's the way it was drawn up uh coming into the week uh in one of the regions and that seems to carry some level of weight you would think
2: you know this is where the the regional part of it being a regionally ranked aq tournament comes in right so it's not a it's not a true national ranked one through 32 tournament there is that regionality of it and as as we all know there are you know there's some constraints with locations when we're trying to to match teams up. So in this instance, right, Trinity is a number two in their region and Harden Simmons is the number three. And so that's, that's where Trinity ends up getting, um, you know, getting the nod to be the host for it. You know, and again, that's one of those ones too. If you look at where we typically try to avoid matchups that have occurred, whether it's in the regular season or in, in the conference play or things like that, that's, that's usually a goal. Um, in this case, this is a, a repeat matchup of you know maybe play you know last year's playoffs, right? So again, it, if we have the opportunity and when we can, we try to avoid those things. But sometimes, as as you're trying to put all these together, you do the best that you can to get the a good matchup and create a nice bracket with it.
0: Now, JB will ask you a question about uh, the uh, defending national champion and how they're feeling about life uh, today. Here you go, JB, let will tee you up.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of funny memes from the uh, Cardinals fans about, you know, poking the bear and, you know, taking the rake to the hornet's nest and, you know, oh, the disrespect of putting the defending champs anywhere else but then a one seed. But like you said, you guys were following the criteria and what we saw earlier in the week was that they were uh, number two in region five um, because of things like regionally ranked opponents and, and whatnot. You know, I guess you can only play who's on your schedule, but... Um, you know, there are some, there, it is interesting placement that they're, that they're here. And if I'm also a Trinity or Harden Simmons fan, it's like, Oh great. After I win this game, I got to go play NCC and in the, in the next round, I, <laughs> I guess, what was What was kind of the thought process around that?
2: Yeah. You know, the, again, it's the, the tough part about it is when North central is number two in their region, it's like, how, how do you place them somewhere differently with it? You know, um, Again, defending national champion, right, but that's not one of the primary criteria as, as you're looking at things. And so, again, to be consistent across all the regions, to be consistent um, throughout the tournament with how things are bracketed and how things are um, placed from um, a regionality standpoint, that, that's what you end up doing. You know, that's, that's where North Central ends up falling for this bracket
0: one thing though that I will bring up that people will ask us to bring up so this is from yeah. conversations we've had uh, there is the notion that if there are two teams are undefeated and there's a tie that it goes back to the previous years results in playoffs situation what you're basically saying through this process or at least uh, the region 5 rack and then the national committee through uh you know given the check mark on it I guess is that there wasn't deemed to be a tie between Wartburg and North Central sufficient to use that optional final criteria uh, that's out there. Is that accurate to say that?
2: I think it's accurate. I think when you look at the strength of schedule on that, and again, we, we know, everybody knows across the country, right? Teams are, are handcuffed almost by their strength of schedule sometimes and, and what they have. and um, But at the end of the day, if we're going to follow the criteria that the NCAA has given us, right, in order to, to be consistent across the country with what we're doing, this is what we have to do, and and this is what we end up having to put together.
0: Bottom left uh, real quick here, Wartburg will be hosting Illinois College Whitworth Uh, after their big win versus Linfield yesterday, uh, gets to host as expected Chapman because of the travel restrictions, etc. cetera. Uh, that's a flight obviously, and then the winner will be facing a uh, flight again. So you guys uh, definitely have a number of flights that maybe a couple of which were quasi avoidable, but you, you kind of went all in on the flights and you know, c- kudos to you for uh, mixing it up a little bit in that yeah. respect, we didn't have an island pod Per se in this whole thing, we had, you know, a couple teams here, a couple teams there, but not put together purposely for that reason. Wheaton, uh, which is an at-large hosting Mount St. Joseph and uh, Whitewater, which was also an at-large hosting Bethel. And the irony here is if the two at-larges get through the next round, we'll have an at-large versus an at-large in round two in that game. But seeing Bethel here will make me ask the question on behalf of St. John's fans, and some uh, fans that actually reached out to us today want this question asked. What is the value of playing, losing, and or beating uh, a conference champion? And in this case with Bethel having been beaten by St. John's, but still not winning the conference, how do you handle that situation? Because clearly St. John's didn't make the tournament, even though that situation occurred and existed and with some very good numbers there for St. John's, how did that factor in or not factor in ultimately when you look at these things?
2: Well, you know, the, obviously that impacts their strength of schedule, right? Who their opponents are and, and what their records are against those opponents, which, which they have a strong one um, in part with that. lately um, the the MIAC has an AQ right, and um, how it's set up right now in the MIAC with that championship that that and how the AQ is determined, it's uh, it's different than um, some of the other conferences with that. So uh, I'm not sure that gives you a good answer. That this is where you start to get kind of pinched right yeah. with where we only have four at-large bids on these things. This is this is one of those reasons why as as you look to wanting to expand the playoffs and add some teams and things like that. It's, it's for reasons like that where you feel like um, how how a conference championship or an AQ is determined and things like that may block what you're able to do on a national level to continue to develop the bracket in the tournament um, as as well as you can.
0: JB, any questions on the bottom left uh, on your end there? Uh, as I pointed out, Wheaton in Wisconsin-Whitewater, two of the at-larges yeah. right there in front of us there.
1: No, I mean, I you know, I think um, – we we had spoken. We thought that Wheaton might be one of the la- maybe the last, maybe the second to last team pick. So I'm not surprised to see them there. I mean, obviously St. Saint, uh, St. Saint Joe's, Saint Joe's is um, conference champion, and you know Bethel. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess if you're um, if you're not a Johnny's fan, you could basically say, well, sh- maybe we shouldn't have lost that that game to Gustavus. I mean, that that could have made all the difference there nine and one instead of eight and two. You, you don't know. Um, that's, that's sometimes how, how it shakes out. It makes all these weeks of regular season uh, play that important. So um, no questions for me. But I guess more of a comment than anything. And I'm sure Matt, as a football coach, knows that you know, every week counts. So it adds up at the end.
2: Yeah.
0: Let's go bottom right, uh, and we're going to see our last at-large here. Uh, Johns Hopkins hosting WestCon, as we said, 7-2. Uh, so uh, they'll get that fixed at the home office, I'm sure. DelVal uh, is going to host Union, the final at-large pick mm. here. And this is the only at-large that will not be hosting, uh, ironically enough. If, or, I'm sorry, Coe as well. So Coe and Union not hosting, uh, but Whitewater and Wheaton are hosting. So something that be discussed there maybe in a second. Uh, Springfield hosts Ithaca. Uh, that one will get some eyebrow raises for sure because Ithaca is going to claim we had the best freaking Uh, SOS in the country, uh, can't you do us a favor here with who we played? (laughs) And the answer is no, Uh, clearly not. Uh, Springfield will be hosting that one. And Randolph-Macon hosting Christopher Newport, a very, very interesting matchup because uh, these teams have, I believe, history against each other, if uh, memory serves. And so uh, keeping it kind of in the home area there for uh, these teams indeed. But uh, what does go into, uh, people ask me throughout the week, Matt, just because you're not large, does that mean you're always on the road? And the answer was no, not always. And right here in this bracket, we're seeing two and two basically in this. Uh, what do we read into that, if anything?
2: Well, you know, part of it is that those regional rankings, right, where we, we try to respect um, what the racks have put out um, in the rankings and those, you know, whether one and two seeds in a region or, you know, one, not seed, one rank or 2nd rank teams in the region – I believe Whitewater is a number two seed. Um, I think Wheaton is a number, or not seed, uh, uh, is ranked number two in the region. Wheaton, maybe three or four. I can't recall right off the top of my head. But again, we're trying to give those teams ranked higher um, a home game off of that.
0: And uh, the last regional rankings. I was just going to say, last regional rankings will be published, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see those soon. Maybe either tonight or tomorrow on that. JB, sorry to cut you off there. Go ahead.
1: This is more of a comment than a question. I, I'm just happy to see that you know Hopkins looks like a a, a one. Um, whether it's a a seed or a ranking, whatever we want to call it. Um, t- typically, just based on that that location, you know, as a as a potential anchor there. I think it was. I think Region Two. Um, it had a very competitive. Like, incredibly competitive season. I still don't really understand um, the whole seven versus, you know, the nine and, and having like kind of the right percentage. I don't know if that's something we can we talk about on this show or it's just one of those things that the, the NCAA, like we, we've heard the answer once. And so we kind of know what the deal is, but just – thought I'd bring it up one more time, but I, I, I credit the committee. It's good to see um, Hopkins there, uh, you know, being an original region two guy, I guess you could say, um, you know, former East region uh, back in the day. But yeah, I, I like that uh, for, for a number of reasons. Go
2: ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, Hopkins, obviously you look at their schedule and their, or, uh, you know, 10 and zero with a high strength of schedule and their numbers and what they did. Um, they certainly have put themselves in a position um, to, to be able to host some games in the tournament, you know, and so and I think I think we were consistent with that across the bracket.
0: And to his point, though, look, we did get the answer from JP, but I mean, does it handcuff region two? Do you feel? When you have that many teams, only about 14% of the teams get ranked, I think is what my figure was, versus what was, I think the original goal being 20%, and some uh, regions are at the 20% or more level, which means that there's just less space to rank teams for Region 2, and might hurt generally the positions. It didn't hurt Johns Hopkins, it looks like, but uh, and, you know, just give me your insight there about just ranking seven across the board versus maybe going to how deep a region really is and then basing the number of teams you rank from there
2: yeah I don't know I mean the simple answer is no I don't think it I don't think it hindered or hurt anybody um, in that regard I think um, if anything it shows a lot of strength in that region too you know as you look at it that that's a strong region you look at the numbers they put um, from top to bottom I think it's it's one that um, regardless of the number of teams or what it is, uh, th- there's strong numbers and strong records that are coming out of that region in a good way. And, and again, from a consistency standpoint, by focusing on the criteria and what we're doing, um, I think we were able to to still um, be pretty respectful of, of all those teams and with the numbers. And
0: one of the other things that we've heard over the years, last year maybe we heard a little pull away from this, so I'm just curious to see if this is still kind of in the, the mix. It used to be we were told that you would spot the ones and the twos, uh, one seeds and two seeds and not seed really the rest of it because uh, there would be no need to. And then build pods around the ones and the twos and then attach the pods to geographically how you could avoid flights or at least get some kind of geography in mind in those pods. Do you still try to find the ones and the twos and then handle it that way, but then sometimes you might not be able to do it perfectly because of the uh, different geographical challenges you find in this uh, bracketing?
2: Yeah, there's we don't we don't do any seeding with it, you know, a, as we go through it. So there's really no seeding. What the the word I would use is more like tiers, where we try to find what are those those um, top tier teams, the the one and twos um, in each of the regions, and we try to um, respectfully kind of put them in different um, clusters, you know, different areas of the bracket, right? And so that that um, develops a little bit, and then from there it's it's it becomes very regional, right? Where we're trying to develop. Um, some good regional matchups, you know, you, you think of flights, but you also think of, you know, mom and dad having to drive, you know, 200 miles or having to take a flight to go watch their son play or fan bases, right? Students being able to go travel. And so, um, you know, a lot of those, that regionality comes in because you want to have great crowds and you want to have great matchups through it. So um, to answer you, no, um, but but we do try to navigate it um, the, the term I would use is more of a tier structure with it.
0: Makes sense. Thank you for that. Okay, there's, there are questions that come from the final uh, quadrant here. Uh, first off, the uh, drive of death goes to Alfred State. Congratulations, Alfred State, on winning the ECFC, and you get to go to Alliance, Ohio as your first-round game. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, hey, look, you know what? I think everybody and their brother kind of saw this game coming, so there it is. Uh, but then you look at Alma DePaul uh, with 10-0 and versus 10-0. and I'll continue for a second. Endicott and Cortland at nine and one and nine and one. And Susquehanna versus Grove City at ten and zero and ten and zero. And there are going to be people out there that say, shouldn't ten and 10 and zero be avoided in the first round to at least reward teams that are undefeated yeah. to a certain degree? You know, th- that's a rare air type of situation. I remember just uh, today putting the paw finally into my top twenty-five ballot because I'm like. Look, they're 10-0. They deserve to be ranked in that way. You guys don't use that as a criteria, I get that. But, you know, they were undefeated. Uh, Grove City was undefeated, and they don't get to host in either case. That's going to be a pretty interesting discussion when people see this later on today. Obviously, we're uh, doing this a little bit earlier. What's your uh, message to those folks that are going to be a little upset by that one?
2: Yeah. Again, you know, we, we try to get the, uh, we, we try to use those regional rankings with the with the top one or two teams and try to make sure that, um, they're able to host some. And then, uh, again, it's, it's a regional tournament from that standpoint. And so as, as you're trying to find the, the matchups, um, that fit, um, under certain, whether it's mileage criteria or just trying to develop a good matchup and trying to have teams that maybe did, you know, some of these teams I think played each other, um, during the season. So you want to avoid those uh, in the first round. That's, that's kind of how you end up building it.
1: Go ahead, JB. Well, I would just kind of in, in bigger picture, you know, Matt, this is the first time that we've only had uh, four pool C bids and, you know, I imagine when you when you got you know, put into this position as the committee chair, did you reach out to you know, any any prior um, committee chairs like a like a coach cat or, or somebody to, to get some advice? Because really, I mean, having one less team to choose from doesn't make, make things any easier. Uh, what was kind of your process going into this whole thing in the first place?
2: Yeah, you know, absolutely. So there's, you know, whether it's JJ neckoff from, you know, last year or, you know, doing Nats and, and some of the other guys that uh, have been on the committee and that I know, so absolutely, it's it's a I, I use the opportunity to be able to visit with them and kind of how they navigate it and what they've done. And obviously, being able to be on the committee, this is my fourth year, um, having seen it done for you know two of those years, one of them not. Um, yeah, just kind of trying to find out what they what they felt like we needed to focus on and what was most important. Absolutely.
0: One more grand question in the scheme of things here. J.P. Williams, uh, whos uh, I'm not sure if he's able to listen in. Uh, We're having some technical issues on his end for some reason. I think the NCAA firewall is uh, stronger than we thought this year, so uh, luckily you weren't in the same room as him like uh, most guys are. But uh, we appreciate all of his help getting this together. And over the years, and including last week, we've had a conversation, I'm not shy to share this much of it, which is, look, because of only nine or 10 results for these uh, teams uh, throughout for you to compare, it would be so much help, more helpful to have interregional matchups that would allow us to kind of balance things across regions and see who's who and what's what. So that's a message the NCAA's been sending for a number of years to us. But some of the picks here or some of what we've seen don't seem to necessarily embrace that as well as maybe some folks would want it to. We pointed out the Harden-Simmons lacrosse situation earlier that seems like Harden-Simmons, if we were giving full faith to that kind of big trip they made, might have hosted instead, okay? St. John's is sitting there saying, we played Trinity, my goodness, we played Trinity, uh, a behemoth in their own right there, and we're not getting much credit for that at the end of the day, and there are others out there. And so I I guess the question becomes, what does a team learn from this? Is it worth going out and spending $10,000 for a cross-country trip or something maybe that Region 3 doesn't really have many opportunities without spending a lot of money to go and do an inter-region trip because of where they are. Uh, region 1 sometimes just can lean on Region 2, uh, except where uh, Harden simmons decides to fly up to Endicott. 3, 4, and 5 seem to have more ability, uh, or excuse me, 4, 5, and 6 seem to have more ability to do the inter-regional thing. What's the messaging ultimately here, Matt, that allows folks to buy into the idea, yes, indeed, I'm going to take the risk and go play an out-of-conference game out of my region and spend the money to go do that here?
2: I, I would say, you know, the short answer is yes, right? Because that's going to impact your your strength of schedule. And that's that's one of the metrics that's used. That's one of the primary criteria as we're looking at it. And, and certainly then the win-loss percentages as well. And I think when it comes down to that regional ranking coming out of it, it's um, what what is happening the rest of your region and what are those teams doing um, in order to be able to compete with them or what does that end up looking like with your record as well. So I think, I mean, you've know, you you've got the teams like the St. John's who are going to go play anybody, right? And there's there's a lot of great yeah. teams that are out there willing to go play people and looking to go play people because they want to compete with the best teams. Um, and I think they should be um, honored for that. But at the end of the day when you have four, you only have the four at larges, that's what ends up handcuffing you. not so much what those results were or what, um, or what the other things, it's that access ratio right and how many oper- and how many schools we actually have in this postseason tournament.
0: Matt, we're going to give you the last word here Uh, with any insights, any thoughts you want to deliver to D3 Nation about your uh, work here, your committee, uh, anything else. uh, This is a very special one as it's number 50 and we'll all be gathering together in Salem uh, for I believe their 26th hosting of the Stag Bowl. Uh, And uh, obviously with their history of the Stag Bowl, it's only fitting. So can't wait to see you down there. But what's your last message to everybody out there?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, for, to the committee, I appreciate all the work that they, all the hard work that they put in in order to put together this tournament, and to the the teams that are in it, I'm really excited because I think we have some exceptional matchups. Um, I think the committee's done a, a great job at trying to at putting together the best bracket that we could with um, the at large teams and with the AQs, and uh, I'm really excited to see some of these matchups as they um, go from the first round through.
0: Matt, we really do appreciate your time and availability for this and uh, even coming out a little early so we can get this produced and uh, out the door a little bit earlier ourselves. Obviously, it's not going to premiere until 5.30, so we'll see what the reactions of the teams are out there at 5 o'clock. I'm curious to watch the uh, Twitter space to see what happens uh, with respect to those uh, reactions. So uh, good job. I mean, obviously, there will be uh, people that will criticize this, that, or the other thing, but you made it through the process. You got it. 32 excellent teams into a tournament here. Let's start playing some playoff football and good luck to your committee as uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths down the road here, as we said.
2: Absolutely, thanks guys. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you. Thanks Matt. Matt Moore joining us, uh, the committee chair again for the 16th straight season uh, that we've existed. Uh, We've had that uh, benefit here and such a great honor to have that. JB, let's run through this you and I real quick one more time. Uh, to uh, go through matchups you're looking forward to and second-round matchups you're seeing, maybe even third-round matchups that you're seeing, begin to form here overall. So floor is mainly yours here as we look at first uh, this bracket. I will name the matchups real quick. Wisconsin-Lacrosse hosting Minnesota-Morris. Aurora hosting a Pool C co-team. Trinity just barely, it looks like, hosting Hardin-Simmons. And North Central, yeah. not really a one-seed, it looks like, the way they've been uh, perched yeah. in here. Uh, against Bellhaven Again, not seeds, but tears. We get it, but not necessarily the top team treatment in this quadrant. Go ahead. What are you seeing here?
1: Well, you know, once again, I'll, uh, not to be a broken record, but the you know the lacrosse placement as the one with that um, head-to-head loss to Harden-Simmons, it doesn't seem like that dinged them in any way. The fact that the Wyack is the, you know, the bell of the ball and the toughest conference in the country, Um that carried enough weight to, to put them in, in a number one spot uh, over, <laughs> over the defending champs. Um, and, you know, they this conference didn't advance past the quarterfinals last year either. So I think in a lot of ways, sometimes they get a little too much credit. But at the same time, you know, I've been watching their games all year. They're obviously very talented football programs and very strong. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a Trinity fan, I think I'm frustrated um, to, to think like the second week of my playoff run could end in the suburbs of Chicago. That's a really tough draw for them. Um, and it just goes back to, it's just hard to, hard to believe that that letdown in week one um, is probably the reason why this is happening. Uh, you know, it really does underscore the, the, and I think I think Coach Moore sort of hit, it, hit on it as well. Um, you know, the, the winning pers- – you know, it's one thing. Yeah, go out and schedule the best, you know, teams that you can. But guess what? you got to win those games. And if you don't, it can come back to bite you. And this is a perfect situation here with the, for the Tigers where if they were just able to, you know, oof. You know, it's just, it just – it breaks my heart a little bit for them. I thought they would have, you know, maybe a, a three- or five-game run into the playoffs. But, I, you know, I, the way North Central has been playing – I don't see anyone beating them in that in that side of things. So we'll have to see if I'm right or wrong. How Chicago on Thanksgiving weekend sound for me? I guess is where
0: uh, if they can get through Harden Simmons, which is not going to be easy yeah, with Harden Simmons back at full either. strength. No, no. Yeah, so, no. That's, that's going to be
1: that's one of the toughest opening round games there is. Period.
0: <laughs> let me ask you. I mean, now that it's just you and me and nobody else, nobody else can hear us right now. Uh, would you pick Co?
1: no um, I, I don't think so uh, I mean you know yeah the ARC is a it's a good conference but it's typically not as well regarded as the centennial or as some other conferences out there so you know to, to, to I mean sure they played Wartburg close I mean I thought you know a wins a wins a loss a loss but this might be a case where a six-point loss was helping I, I don't know uh, that was just it was kind of a surprise hey Happy for them, but I'm sure they'll be thrilled. But it doesn't help any of the other teams that were like, hey, wait a minute, what about us? True or false. If Co. was in region two, they
0: would not have a ranked win. True. And therefore would not have gotten selected if they were in Region Two because of the jam that's occurring in Region Two, basically. And that's what we talk about yep. in terms of the resume boosting by Iraq. They can do it in four or five. Uh, maybe even six a little bit, three somewhat. Uh, Two, they can't do it. There's just too many conferences of strength with champions that have to get ranked, and then you basically block out a third team of a conference from being in there, the third team being the team that the second team usually has beaten in that situation. It's just impossible in that. So maybe he feels that Region 2 isn't kind of snake bitten by it, but at the same time, Region 5 benefits from the lack of depth in terms of number of conferences and teams in Region Five, that's how Co gets selected. Yeah. Co, great season, nine and one, five three strength of schedule, one and one against regionally ranked opponents. He didn't seem to say we were wrong on that. I just don't see where it comes from ultimately. Beyond that, regionally ranked win that got manufactured by Region Five's rack ultimately putting Central in as a ranked team. That's my takeaway from that. I agree with you. No, I would not select them either. But Co, go show them. Go, go show the committee they were right go give them Aurora. the uh, backup for that yep that's that's what it's going to yeah. come down to uh let's go bottom mm-hmm. left wartburg hosting illinois college the uh, uh midwest conference champion uh whitworth mm-hmm. uh a uh last second entrant uh yesterday uh in uh pool yeah. a <laughs> uh, by the wire l- literally uh they uh, get chapman in that whole west coast uh, trip scenario wheaton yep wheaton hosting mount saint joseph uh wheaton being a pool c team that's hosting and wisconsin whitewater pool c team that's hosting versus bethel and i guess what we're seeing is that they realized they were giving two hosting scenarios to two pool c teams so if they're able to get through they're gonna have to knock uh, each other off one or the other uh, in this whole thing yeah. so maybe that's where they paid a little credit to the notion that pool seed shouldn't always get home t- home games all the way through so somebody's gonna have to mm. prove their worth in that second round Wheaton versus uh, Wisconsin Whitewater a pretty good matchup I think uh, this season yeah if both teams can
1: get through and there's no gimmies in those matchups right there your thoughts yeah and I think if it If that happens, which, you know, given that we've seen a lot of chalk this year, I I imagine Whitewater would be um, the home team uh, in a second-round game against Wheaton. It seems pretty clear that Matt said that they were using the ranking numbers from um, the regional rankings as as part of the tiering. I'm not going to say the other word. We'll say tiering, uh, which I think was well played. Um, So, yeah, in that case, and I think that would make sense. And then, yeah, you should probably get a white potentially a Whitewater-Wartburg quarterfinal matchup, or maybe we'll get a surprise and we'll see, you know, a Whitworth, or maybe we'll see a Wheaton. I mean, I don't know. This, this, this bracket's pretty competitive. Um, there's a number of teams that I could see coming out of that and, and ending up in, in the semifinals. So I, I, I like this, this lower quadrant. Lots of interesting stuff happening.
0: Let's see the other lower quadrant, the lower right side. You've got Johns Hopkins hosting WestCon. As you said, getting uh, kind of a one C treatment is Johns Hopkins here in this one. Delaware Valley uh, is hosting so. Union. Yep, uh, Delaware Valley is hosting Union, uh, who is another uh, pool C uh, player here, basically the fourth and final one that we're but seeing this is in a, our, our rewrap.
1: Go ahead. This is another thing like what you know, we were talking about before. Um, you know, Typically, a second place team from the liberty league conference uh that's usually a pretty strong team and so delval was what number two in region one and union because of the car pile up that is region two is a six right but well,
0: but here a good point great Dutch, point so now oh, go back the, the go Chargers back to the question we'll be, will be yeah, a yeah, favorite no, in this game yeah, yeah well <laughs> Let's look back though for a second to the question I asked about and let's put it on the screen and we'll jump it for a second here. You have two undefeated versus undefeateds here, one of which involves mm. east region esque teams, region 1 2 teams. Yep. Wasn't this avoidable? Couldn't they have put a 10 and 0 versus a 9 and 1 and a 10 and 0 versus a 9 and 1? Ultimately, they couldn't have Absolutely. created that scenario. I, I just I'm having trouble.
1: Earns, no. Yeah.
0: I, I just don't get what the thought process was here uh, in this respect, because look at all the uh, losses that are in this bottom right quadrant, and that's fine that you know yeah. Hopkins gets the benefit of it. But then, again, we're going to go back up here. Uh, kind of a neat little thing uh, we are able to do graphically there. I didn't realize we had that capability, <laughs> but you can see what's happening. Imagine <laughs> <That's> my surprise <laughs> as the thing goes, zoom. Uh, But anyways, look at the losses here. There aren't many. You know, throughout Alfred State, and there's two total losses in this uh, quadrant up on the upper right. And so that tells you that there may have been some variation able to happen there. Uh, Now I'm just doing because I'm having fun with it. But, uh, you know, Christopher Newport, three losses, WestCon, two losses, Ithaca, two losses, one, one, one. I mean, this... This side of the bracket really makes me question some things, JB. And what are your thoughts? And mm. uh, you know, basically that question. And then uh, we'll go back up to the upper right in a second to identify those matchups.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the you've got you've got matchups where there's road teams that are going to be heavy favorites um, to win. You know, Ithaca going to Springfield. I mean, I know the Pride are a tough team, and, and honestly, they gave. Um, They've given um, Liberty League and Empire 8 teams you know, good runs for their money uh, in the past, but you know, could you have put an 8-2 and Ithaca you know, against a team from, let's say, Ohio or Pennsylvania? Yeah. Um, could, uh, yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of different possibilities of how this thing could have shaped up. I mean, WestCon going to Hopkins is no big surprise. Um, even CNU you going to Randolph-Macon is no big surprise. We originally kind of talked that that, that Belhaven could have been that team. Um, you know, they're obviously you know, going, uh, you know, going to North Central um, on a on a flight up there, so they were going to fly no matter what. Um, so that, that's neither here nor there. So they keep the cost down by having two teams from Virginia play. Ithaca to Springfield, is a short trip. Union to Delval is a short trip, relatively speaking. And just yeah, but it does it does create some. You know, the the Midwestern fans are going to be like, oh, my God, Hopkins got the easiest bracket in the world. It's not fair. The East is so bad. Sound familiar? Yep. Let's go to the upper right.
0: Mount Union hosting Alfred State. Alma, undefeated, uh, hosting undefeated DePaul. Endicott with one loss. Hosting Cortland with one loss. And Cortland probably is sitting there saying, how did this happen? What? We lost how do we, to Susquehanna. How do we win Cortica?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, how do we end? Always yeah. end up being sent on the road here. Like, what's going well, on? Well, like, here in the Empire Eight, it. and well, look, look at this. So, so
0: Ithaca beat Endicott. Cortland beat Ithaca. Endicott hosts Cortland.
1: And they're both threes, how? according to what we can figure out. And the you know, because obviously, the we'll have to see them. Common in the opponent. We assumed. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why isn't Endicott going to Cortland? I, I don't get frees. it, to be
0: honest with you. I don't know. And we'll, we'll have to see the regional rankings when they come out uh, tonight or tomorrow. He, uh, I think, was uh, lacking the full information uh, for when we were asking him that question. That's fine. And w- like I said, we're going to get the ultimate answer. And we'll tweet about it later if something else shows up. Well, but the only thing I can think to...
1: of here, Frank, is Go ahead. if you look at, I mean, and, and these, these could have changed. So when we were when we were looking at our you know, our slides from before, Del Val was second tier seed, whatever you want to call it. Their SOS was five twenty six. Endicott's was five seventy three. Both had two and one records. Is it possible that somehow unbeknownst to us that Endicott jumped to a two over Del Val? Right I don't know
0: yeah it, very, it actually is very likely. I see what you're saying, and we didn't catch it last night. I but, think that's the, I
1: think that's what the deal is
0: but I mean, okay, great. The common opponent tells you though that maybe you've got to give merit when you're comparing cross regionally that Cortland deserved a host if they beat Ithaca and Endicott didn't in the end. I mean that's yeah. I, I don't get that one. I, that's that's thing too religious to a number that uh, you have to verify with your eyes at that point in your knowledge of what happened. I, that one I don't agree with whatsoever. I'll be mm. clear on that one. In Springfield and Ithaca are having the same issue, where you know Ithaca is going to say why, and the answer is Springfield is the number one seed in the uh, Region One, and Ithaca says again, well, I, why? Uh, still, it doesn't answer the question for them. Uh, Susquehanna, hosting well, the- Grove City.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that should have been avoided too. I mean, especially when you assume that Grove City was the four seed in region two, they, they they deserve a home game. I mean, Union could have traveled to play them. I mean, that would have been within 500 miles or Ithaca could have traveled down to play them. I mean, I just don't get why they had to, you know, I mean, maybe it's more cost effective to stick a couple of schools from Pennsylvania that are a few miles apart from each other. and he save some you know, gas money or something. or it just it doesn't doesn't really register to me. there, there, there could have been some better uh, setups here. but the, the, the thing that's visually stands out to me most about this upper right bracket, Frank, is that you have like the top half is basically all region four plus the you know the ECFC champ, which was going to probably end up there anyway. And then you have like a region one slash two um, you know kind of round robin in, in the second half below. so it's like a two4. Um, or 4-2, however you want to call it when it's all said and done. But Mountain Union will be a heavy favorite, um, and I think most people will pencil them in to be in the semifinals playing Hopkins or Randolph-Macon. Well,
0: listen, uh, last thoughts here on uh, our interview with uh, Matt. What what did you take away from it, I guess, is the uh, ultimate question? What are some of the things that you might have wanted to hear better answers to perhaps even because uh, you don't necessarily buy into it as a fan or as somebody that's done this for how many years with me here. Basically, you've been doing 14 of these, I, I think, out of the 16 as a direct co-host. So, I
1: mean, what, what's your thought yeah, here? Yeah, and it's funny. I was, thinking, I was thinking like, wait a minute, well, we didn't do one in 2020, but we still talked to the committee chair even though we didn't really have a season. So I guess that counts um, in certain respects. I mean, you know, I, th- I still feel like at the end of the day, the Johnnies are gonna have a valid beef um, about not getting in. As I said though, I'm, I'm okay with this because I feel like if you lose by four touchdowns to a, um, a runner-up, you don't win your conference, you lose to a team that's not even on the board, uh, you know, I'm okay with them not making the tournament. You know, I think um, maybe under the criteria it, it, it doesn't make sense um, it does seem like the win-loss percentage might have had a higher uh, weighting on things than we realized when it came to the you know, all the Pool C selections were nine and one teams. Let's leave it at that. And I like the fact that you know Matt was pretty honest about using the regional rankings not as seeds but as tiers. And he he did allude that the one-two thing is still out there. So you know no. No real surprises per se. Um, you know, I don't think this is going to change our perceptions that from day one we thought that the chances of a North Central Mount Union rematch was pretty likely. The way this is laid out, it looks like that there's a good chance that that will happen, barring some kind of surprise. And at the end of the day, it's a tough it's a tough job to do. Um, I certainly appreciate all the time and effort that the different coaches on the racks and and the national committee and all that that put in. Um, you know, at the end of the day, teams are going to have to play, and we'll see what happens. And you know, by uh, December six, December fifteenth, late in that evening, we'll we'll have a national champion, and we'll see what happens.
0: Toughest path uh, for a legitimate uh, team that we thought would be a contender here. I got to call it to Trinity. That has to go through Harden simmons likely North Central, and then possibly La Crosse or Aurora just to get to this uh, semifinals, basically. That is not an easy yep. trip at all. And so Trinity no. is going to have to really quickly get back on their A game because they've been playing some inferior competition in the second half of the season, pretty much, or almost uh, the entirety of it. And so they're going to have to really face the challenge. I haven't seen – if they can get through, if they can get through the Stag Bowl somehow, it will be one of the toughest paths I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, and, and this, once again, goes back to, I think, a point that we had said earlier on. The other big takeaway I got from from Coach Moore was go out and schedule the best teams that you can, but you better win. And that's, that's always going to be the, the, the give and take now of, you know, what coaches are going to have to decide, like, What's the risk? You know, if we lose this game, how is it going to impact me? You know, at the end of the day, for a team like Trinity, losing to St. John's did not impact their ability to make the tournament because they could obviously win the SAA. They did. But it clearly, that loss, to me, is like haunting them um, with this placement. If they were, if they were a 10-0 and team, they would not be playing North Central in the second round. Just That's it. Flat out, you're right, uh, but uh, then
0: the schools are going to have to question, is it worth paying $10,000 for these big flights and everything else that they have to get involved with in the regular season games? And if if you absolutely have to win the game and a loss is not going to be acceptable to at least bolster your resume, do you really want to take that risk? That's going to be up to the teams to decide that and the schools, not for us, but all we can do is become a vehicle to ask the questions ultimately that you're wondering the answers to. There's, there it is. So, JB, uh, those that are wondering, ECAC bowl announcements, noontime, Eastern time on Monday. So uh, come back and see us for that. If you are interested, we will be tweeting out bowls as we see them for the uh, several other bowl games that exist out there. And congratulations to those that will be going bowling because not everybody gets that opportunity for that postseason game, the extra week of practice, et cetera. you know, use it and enjoy it. And we will hopefully get some good reactions tomorrow from that as well. So until then, we'll see you. Thanks again to JP Williams in the NCAA and Matt Moore from Northwestern Minnesota for joining us. Take care, folks.